Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. And you know, Christmas is a, a wonderful time of the year. I, we all, you know, many of us have great memories. I shouldn't say all, some people don't, but many of us have great memories. I grew up in Puerto Rico, and our Christmas gathering was over 100 people. And we would roast a whole pig, literally. I mean, it was so fun to watch it, you know, turn and turn brown. And we had uh, all sorts of food and all sorts of gifts. And yes, we had. Puerto Rican salsa Christians, uh, Christmas music. It's not just Feliz Navidad, okay? We Puerto Ricans, we got our own Christmas songs too. And we would sing these songs and have just, just a wonderful Christmas time. So for me, Christmas conjures up all kinds of great memories. And the thing about Christmas is that it supercharges our desire to be in relationship with others. And when you think about what Christmas represents to people, it's this idea of us being in community with our family, our friends, our coworkers, uh, the people at the stores. You know, there's just this sort of happy love, forgiveness, peace, hope. There's just this thing in the air, right? And we all love this idea, great food, parties, boat parades, decorations, Christmas trees, you name it. It's just fun. That's what Christmas is. And I do think it's a good thing, right? There's a lot that's really, really good about Christmas. But Christmas isn't just for Christians. Many people celebrate Christmas who don't have anything to do with the faith. In fact, uh, I know people who are atheists or agnostics or Jewish or Muslim, and they celebrate Christmas. In fact, this last Friday, I got my haircut. Uh, isn't it nice? You did a nice job, right? Uh, but I got my haircut, and uh, Reese, my hairstylist, is uh, from a Jewish descent, and she proceeded to tell me how she was going to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day, open her gifts with her children on that day, and she was so excited about the tree she was going to get and all of that. No mention about Jesus. She was excited about Christmas. So the world celebrates Christmas because there's so many good things about it. But here's the thing. Christmas, as the world knows it, and even as we tend to celebrate it, is just one small piece of a bigger thing. So the picture I had today as I was preparing was the idea of an iceberg. So here's a a picture of an iceberg. The top is what we know as Christmas, all the good things we just mentioned, uh, leaving out all the like weird relatives and the fights and whatever, all the things are negative. But all the really, really good things of Christmas is the top of the iceberg. And often that's where we satisfy ourselves, the world satisfies themselves with just that. It's good enough. It's wonderful. Yay for Christmas. Well, they don't know. And what we as believers often forget is that beneath this wonderful thing, it's something majestic, even more fantastic. It's solid. It's grounding. It's powerful. There's something far more beautiful. So today, uh, did you know you were going to go scuba diving with me? Did you come ready? Because we're going to go under, under the surface of Christmas. We're going to dive a bit deep down there and see what is really behind Christmas. 
Behind the trees and the decorations, the gifts, the cards, the nativity scenes, the parties. What's beneath there? And I argue that what is beneath this surface area is a story, a meta-narrative, a grand story that spans from the beginning of time to the end of time, from the creation of heaven and earth to the recreation of heaven and earth. It encompasses every historical event, every era, every people group, every nation, all of history in one story. That is the depth that's beneath this Christmas story, this Christmas season. And what is this rock is God's promises. This rock represents this solid stone as we were singing, right, earlier today. These truths about God and the promises that he keeps. And in historically, the church has celebrated this reality through a season called Advent. How many of you have heard of Advent, right? If you grew up with a tradition that celebrated Advent, you know about it. If you don't, let me give you a quick tutorial. The, the cliff notes. So Advent is a word that comes from the Latin word Adventus. And that is a translation from a Greek word called parousia, which means coming, waiting for. The Advent season focuses on expectation and anticipation. And Advent begins uh, four weeks before Christmas. So essentially, Advent started last Sunday. And it's four Sundays, and it ends on Christmas Eve, at midnight on Christmas Eve. That's Advent. It's officially the beginning of the Christian calendar year. It's here where the journey for the church begins. And um, in fact, they call it the calendar with a K. And all, many churches celebrate Advent. And I want us to talk about Advent in a unique and refreshing way. I want us to have a different uh, perspective on this, which is beneath this Christmas season, Advent. Uh, And I'm going to use the uh, analogy or the metaphor of pregnancy. We're going to look at today what is similar between pregnancy and Advent. And you're like, whoa, I came to church to hear about that. Hmm." Okay, but let let me tell you why. Most of us think of Christmas And the images that we think of is uh, we see a nativity scene. How many of you think of nativity scene? Christmas, right? You don't put it up any other time of the year. You pull it out during Christmas. So usually this is the picture we see. We see a picture of Joseph and Mary and little Jesus. And depending on the scene, they might have, she might have a halo and some people around her. And it's just this sweet, tender, loving scene. However, that is not Advent. That is Christmas Day. We're in the Advent season, and we're actually in the time when Mary is pregnant. So our true uh, picture of where we are as a church, as a people and believers, is really Mary is pregnant. So here's a picture of really this is where we are. We are in this season, a season of waiting full with expectation and anticipation, and yet not fully being received. And so I'm going to show you how uh, four ways in which pregnancy and Advent have a lot in common. And it begins with the fact that God makes a promise. Now, we know that in pregnancy, 
We begin with finding out that we're pregnant, and boom, the promise is already made. Instantly, the minute you find out you're pregnant, a baby is coming. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's going to happen. Unless something, you know, some health issues occur, essentially, you've already been promised a baby is coming. And Advent promises some things about God. And so let me show you a few. Advent promises that the Lord is going to come, the Messiah, a Savior, to redeem the world. We see this in Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. The Lord will come. We anticipate during Advent the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Advent promises that the Lord will come to rule all nations. We see this in Isaiah chapter 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Advent promises that God will come to rule all nations, that every knee shall bow before the Lord. That is a promise of God. Advent promises that this Messiah will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and that his kingdom will never end. Here, for example, in Luke chapter 1, this is an angel speaking to pregnant Mary, actually not yet pregnant, but pregnant to be Mary. He says to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of Father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Thousands of years ago, before Mark penned his words, before Isaiah even thought of a prophecy, God had set into motion a plan to redeem the world through his son, Jesus Christ, that God would come into the world and make things right by his own hands, by humbling himself in the form of a baby, a promise that was made, a promise that was kept. Part of Advent is that we look back at what already has happened with gratitude. Now, if you've been at the chapel every week, a couple of weeks ago, just around Thanksgiving, we talked about how we give thanks for the things that have already happened and how essentially that's not hard to do, right? It's not hard to look back and see all that has already happened and we say thank you for that. Last week, we talked about giving thanks for that which has yet to happen, remember? So if you were here, we talked about in our faith walk, we also give thanks for that which has yet to come. So during Advent, we do both. We look back at what promise has already been kept, which is that God did make Mary conceive. She had a child. He was called Jesus. He was great. And he is called the son of the most high. And his kingdom will never end. That is already done. But also, there's a part of that promise that has not yet been fulfilled. God is not done with his work of redemption. Jesus will return. And when he returns, he will destroy evil and all that is wrong with this world. And so we wait. We wait for that to be true. You know, there was a moment. I have three children. When I was uh, pregnant, there was a moment when it hit me 
that I actually was pregnant. I was 20 years old. I'd been married for one year. I took the pregnancy test, and I couldn't believe it. An actual human was going to grow in me. I mean, that's just remarkable, right? I mean, pregnancy is remarkable. My daughter Kaylee is pregnant, and every week she sends me an email that says, I'm now 15 weeks. I'm now, you know, she tells me the weeks, and it comes with a little picture and a description of what's happening during that pregnancy. And while I may feel that nothing is happening, I don't know, I can't see, these emails remind me, oh, now the baby has hands, now the baby has feet, now the baby is thinking. These things are happening even though we don't see them. And so we're in this place where some of it has happened, but not all of it is yet done. And the promise begins for a pregnancy example uh, with a pregnancy test. So most of us who want to know if we're pregnant, we buy one of these things at the Rite Aid store. And uh, yes, uh, that promise comes in the bathroom. Uh, the screen usually comes in that sort of place. And, you know, which I, I think is actually humorous because when you think about it, and maybe even profound, God's promise comes in the darkest places. God's promise comes in the middle of the storm. God's promise comes when we're feeling disgrace, maybe humiliated, maybe lost. And so that's where the promise begins. And we see that his promise is going to be fulfilled, but we are waiting. So I wonder for you today, is this what you need to hold on to during this month, during this celebration, during this Advent journey? Perhaps, perhaps you're discouraged. Perhaps you're feeling distant from God. Perhaps you don't even know if you believe in God. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel judged. Maybe something is in your life isn't working well, and you want to know, is God real? Are his promises real? Does he keep his promises? Maybe that's what you need for this season. You need to be reminded that God is a God who keeps promises. There is plenty of history of him having done so, and he will keep all of his promise all the way through to the end. That's who he is. Do I hear an amen? The second thing that's true about pregnancy and Advent is that there's a baby involved. Now, you know, we all like the idea of a baby, right? I mean, come on, babies are little and they're sweet and they smell good unless they dirty their diaper. Uh, they're, they're just vulnerable. There's a beauty about babies, but there's something even more powerful about the fact that Advent and pregnancy are about the baby. You see, the baby represents life. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. You see, Isaiah was pointing to this child that one day would be born from a certain genealogy. Now, if you read uh, Matthew, the, the accounts, and Matthew, you see, it starts with a genealogy showing that Jesus indeed is a descendant of David. David was the son of Jesse. So this idea of from the stump of Jesse, from his son, a line would come through which this Messiah would come. Oh, and this is no ordinary baby. This baby has the spirit of the Lord resting upon him with wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and reverence, 
fear of the Lord. And don't we know it, Jesus was obedient to God and to the Father in everything that he did. No ordinary baby. Isaiah 7 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. That's why this whole series is called God with us. That's what we celebrate. The God is with us. He makes promises. He sent his son to be with us. It's, it's about celebrating that reality that God chose to fulfill that promise. Now, this is really a sticking point for a lot of people. A lot of people are okay with Christmas until you start talking about the baby Jesus. They don't want to see the nativity scene because there's the baby and they don't know what to do with the baby. They want all the other things, but they don't want that. Just like my friend. She wants the Christmas thing, but don't talk about the baby because it's so hard to comprehend this, this remarkable truth that God, the creator of the universe, the almighty knowing God, chose to be a human like you and I. That's hard for us to rasp, really, when you think about it, which I love because in two times in Scripture, we're giving a picture of this truth. Colossians, for example, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Do you hear how many times the word all is in there? For God was pleased to have once again all his fullness dwell in him. No ordinary baby. Philippians 2. Jesus, being in the very nature God. Now this is again where people go, well, Jesus wasn't God. Well, there it is. Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus came, God came in the flesh to take the grip of evil away from us, to kill the power of cancer in our heart of sin, to take away the power of death from the hands of the enemy against us. See, this idea of Advent, this baby is no ordinary baby. This baby represents life to the fullest. And that's what pregnancy does too. When we feel the baby moving inside as mothers, come on, any mothers in the house? We know there is life, something alive in us, kicking, moving, and shifting, and reminding us, babies represent life. Jesus represents life. When I was pregnant, there was times, maybe around seven months, where I would wake up and I wouldn't feel the baby moving. And it's alarming for, for us women when we're pregnant and we don't feel the baby moving. It's actually pretty scary because there are women who lose their babies in the last trimester. Uh, Jim's mom, for example, had twins that died in the eighth month. Horrifying. Horrifying. So that could happen. So we, we, we worry about that. As, I mean, the whole time it's a worrisome season. And you worry about, will the baby make it through? And if you don't feel it moving, you worry that that life has been gone. You see... The baby in Advent, the baby in pregnancy represents life. God is life. Is that what you need this season? 
Do you need to be reminded that God is a God of life and Jesus came to give us life to the fullest? Maybe there's something dead in your life, a relationship, a marriage, a health issue. Maybe literally someone in your life has died recently or in this last year and you're still recovering from that. And death is right before you and you are worried that there is no life left. Remember this season, if nothing else, that God is life. And he wants you to have life. The third thing that pregnancy and Advent have in common is the waiting. Now, oh, this is so not fun. We do not like to wait, do we? Now, my daughter, Kaylee, I told you she's pregnant. She just sent me her 15 weeks little picture. And um, in addition to that, Kaylee is posting on Instagram and Facebook her belly. Now, at 15 weeks, the belly is really small, but she's like, look, mom, I got a belly, look, mom, I got a belly. And she's like showing me, I'm thinking, that's a little smaller than mine. Yeah, she's like this skinny thing. But she's like so excited to have that picture of life to come. And sometimes it feels like nothing is happening. In pregnancy, sometimes it's like it goes on and on and on. And you're like, is anything happening down there? Because my body's changing, but I don't feel it changing. And so pregnancy is a waiting period. Women wait for the first three months to pass where you get the the morning sickness, and that's no fun. And then you have to wait for that first kick to know for sure, or the heartbeat or the ultrasound. You have to wait, of course, for the baby to be born. And it's nine and a half months. Okay, guys, that's forever. And I know, men, if you have any pregnant woman in your life, you too feel like it's forever. You want it to be over with too. When I was pregnant with Kaylee, she was 12 days late. All my kids were late. Dear goodness. You know, it's like instead of nine and a half months, it was nine and almost 10 months. And she was 12 days late. Well, day 10 comes around, and I'm done. Okay, I'm done. This baby's coming out. So I'm like, I went on a long walk. The LA Marathon was taking place, so I went and walked with the runners. You know, and then I thought, okay, that didn't work. I went and played 18 holes of golf. Yeah, right? I carried my bags. I was like, this baby was coming out. I'm like pushing it. Come on, drop, drop. And then I heard, and then I heard that in the news that um, there was some Italian restaurant in North Hollywood that if you ate there, women were saying they'd go into labor. All right, I called the station. Okay, where's that restaurant again? So my husband and I go. We go to the um, Italian restaurant. We have a bunch of pizza. This baby has to come. I just had indigestion. The baby did not come. Do you know when she came? One day on March 12th, we were at our friend's house and we were watching Jeopardy of all shows. And you know, Puerto Ricans and Jeopardy, they don't go together. You know, it's like, I don't know these things. I was so bored. I'm watching the show. It's like, come on. This is the most boring thing. Boom. That's when my labor started. Oh, Waiting is not fun at all. Waiting is very hard. But we've been made a promise, a promise God intends to keep. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. In Revelation 3, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Yes, wait for me. Wait for me. Be prepared for my return. This journey of Advent is a journey of waiting. And though I know you're like, I came to church and I'm being reminded that I have to wait. And that's like, ugh. But that's who we are. We're a people in the waiting. Matthew 24 says this. 
About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Psalm 130 kind of gives us a picture of how we are supposed to wait. It says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen, I wait for the Lord. See, this idea of we are people in the waiting. Advent is about the coming. Our posture is about the waiting. We wait for God to make his promises come true. And so I wonder if you're in that place. You're in the waiting. You've been waiting. You're tired of waiting. You're exhausted, really. And you're like, I can't wait anymore. I, I mean, how many of you, you turn on the news, you're like, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Now. Right? You, 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 you see that one more violent act, one more school shooting, one more whatever. And you're like, okay, God, can we be done already? Can you please come? That's sometimes who we are. We are done with waiting. Maybe in this season, if you're like me, you're just done. You want to be over with. You want to go have some pizza and just have it ended. You know, listen, God wants to give you hope, which is the fourth thing that pregnancy and Advent have in common, hope. It's in this season where we can rely on those who have come before us, on their endurance, on their encouragement, and we can rely on God to help us in the waiting. Romans 15 says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And Romans 15 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you might overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we can have hope from those who have come before us. Scripture is full of stories of people who held on, who endured through the waiting. And it's their stories that fuel our ability to wait and wait well. And then if we can't do that, if that's not enough for us, then we count on God to overflow our hearts with hope. To be, be the one who gives us the hope. I love how Romans says, may the God of hope. How many of us try to pump it up ourselves? Like, okay, positive thinking, positive thinking. Come on, come on. Think, think, think good, think good. I'm good. You know, you write notes to yourself. You try to create this idea of healthy, positive thinking, and sometimes it just falls flat. Well, let's rely on God, the God of hope, because it is him who can give us the hope that we need. See, this Advent season, I want us to focus on Mary believe it or not, and not in Jesus. Christmas, when we have our services here on Christmas Eve, oh, baby, it's going to be about Jesus. We're going to celebrate Jesus. Between now and then, we're going to have our focus on Mary, Mary, the pregnant woman. We're not going to be focused on the baby. We're going to be focused on the pregnancy, the journey towards Christmas. We're going to take our time on this journey and let God do something in us. While Mary waited, God was doing something powerful. While we wait, believe me, God is at work. While we may not see something changing, God is at work. 
while my daughter waits for her belly to grow. Things are happening in her body. A baby is being formed. Life is being created. That's who we are. We are waiting, and we know what we're waiting for. Look at this quote from Karl Barth. Faith knows from whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold on the fulfilled promise. You see, we know. We know what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the return of Jesus, which 1 Thessalonians tells us, gives us a great picture of it. Look what it says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We hold on to one another. We sing those songs, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. So we rejoice. We rejoice with each other. We comfort each other in the waiting because Emmanuel, God with us, he will come again. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.